Welcome back, everybody. This is Press for Time, a Gaming Age podcast. I'm Tyler. Joining me this week, we have Colin. What's up? Benny. Hello, hello. And Anthony. What's going on, everybody? Full house tonight, finally. And all on different locations. Yeah. Yeah, where's everybody at? I'm, I'm in southern Ohio, for reference. And all three of us are in Staten Island, New York. <laughs> That's Wonderful. the funny part. We're in the same area, Alan. but we're in different houses. Alan. Okay. All right, so tonight we've got a couple different things. We're going to go in, and I'm going to let uh, Colin and Anthony kind of introduce themselves, do a little bit of backstory, who they are, where they come from, what they're doing here, why they're part of the podcast, a little bit about them personally. They can make that long, short, or in between, whatever they want. I'm not going to make anybody uh, spill their deepest, darkest secrets here on the internet, but... After that, why, we're going to do some not? I mean, Isn't that the whole point of the internet? I mean, yeah. you're more than welcome to do it. I'm just, you know, no gun to your head. <laughs> we're going to do some E3 predictions, uh, go over some stuff that's already been announced, some stuff that's probable, and then just some pipe dreams that we have that we as people that want to see cool stuff at E3 really want to see at E3. So, uh, Colin, if you want to go first, tell everybody a little bit about yourself or tell everybody absolutely nothing about yourself and pass the buck to Anthony. Uh... Nothing really to tell, to be honest. Regular, average video game player. Uh, I work at a video game retail store because I like video games. That's where I ended up. That's how I met Benny and Anthony. And me and Benny tried a couple things, trying to like move into this industry. Uh, that's how I ended up here. He was like, hey, do you want to join my buddy's podcast? And I was like, sure. So here I am. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you on. Like I said, it's nice to have people that aren't necessarily directly involved with this aspect of the industry, um, but people that are on the retail side and people that are just on the fan side. Like you bring a totally people bring a totally different perspective if you're not spending all day every day criticizing games and trying to be hypercritical of them. So I think that's awesome. What about like you, Anthony? The, sorry, just to cut you guys off. I just want to add from Colin because he doesn't want to mention it. He is a contributor to GamerX Vault, which is going to where we're going to be doing our video content. Give yourself some credit where it's due, my friend. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it was appropriate to plug on a different show. Oh, we're, yeah. We're all one family here, and Colin, you know, Tyler's going to be a part of GamerX Vault, you know, that side of the, the content creation as well. So we're all going to try to pretty much bring everything together here. All right. Sounds good. All right, Anthony, you're up. What's up, everybody? Um, so my name's Anthony Parisi. I mean, everybody probably just knows me as Parisi. Um, I've been sort of in the industry on the outskirts of it for about 20 years. Um, started uh back in the mid 90s with i don't know if anybody remembers this but i'm probably dating myself but uh irc um we had started this uh vid games chat room um uh, that actually produced a lot of people who are currently trenched in the gaming industry um some of them have some really good positions some of them are journalists some of them uh you know do translation work um so i started there um and then from there kind of just did a lot of freelance work uh photography 
Um, I did some freelance photography work for uh, One Up, which is unfortunately no longer around. Um, and then I kind of uh, transitioned over to Gaming Age. I was friends with Jim through IRC, and I asked him if I can cite to house my photos from when I go to these events. Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, since this seems to be centric podcast this will be my 17th or 18th e3 that i'm going to uh this june uh i didn't go to the ones santa monica because i heard a, a cluster f uh, show but uh we'll get into that later and so that's uh that's my spiel okay i like it well thank you to you for coming on as well. I mean, I know it's that's huge for yeah, no me and Benny. Yeah, I mean, at the, at the end, we're all coming from sides of it, you know, even though the majority of us are doing the editorial side. But, you know, having somebody like Parisi that's been pretty much on the front lines of E3 for so many years, really good to be able to his brain, get his thoughts on, you know, how the industry has changed over the years and you know, can we look forward to some crazy changes this year with it being open to the public for the first time? A lot of little things like that. So, you know, again, we all do this, you know, because we love it in one way, form or another. So, you know, again, thank you guys for joining us and we hope to expand on this as we go on with the show. Absolutely. So I wanted to go into it a little bit with you being someone that's gone to so many different E3s and been out there um for so many different years what do you what do you see that's changed the most over all the years that you've been i mean is there any any trend that you see or anything substantial that you look at you go man this is so much better now or well, hey, this was much better then well i mean it, it's funny because uh, uh i don't know about a month or two ago um i had come across a video i took of the very first e3 from 1995 um that's the year that Sega did the stealth Saturn launch and uh, Sony during their keynote, as it was called back then, um, they announced the PlayStation price with the just famous one line, $2.99, and then the guy walked off the stage. But, um, you know, going back and watching that tape and knowing what it was and what it is now, uh, it, you can really, really see how it's achieved, well, changed, evolved over the years. I mean, you know, E three ninety five. It was a brand new thing. Um, back then, the gaming companies used to show their stuff at CES. There actually used to be two CES shows. There was the winter one in Vegas, summer one in Chicago. Um, you know, so E three ninety five was, you know a few months after CES in January where a lot of these companies had announced games that were going to be coming out over the coming year. Um, so, you know, for, for, uh, for instance, like, uh, Nintendo's keynote, it was 90 minutes of Howard Lincoln, who was the president back then talking about piracy and how it needs to be stopped. And, you know, because they had nothing to show. I mean, you know, back then, I didn't know that that's the reason why he talked about piracy, because they had nothing to show. But watching it now, knowing what I know and how the industry works, 
they they it was it's amazing like even back then nintendo just they didn't have anything to show they weren't going to talk about anything and the only mention to games was how they thought that gamers were going to eat up the virtual boy because of its attractive price of what was it 179.99 and the all, uh, the eye cancer yeah yeah we all know how that turned out so <laughs> But, you know, that first E3 was very, very, very businesslike, and it was more of marketing, and it was, you know, it was, it was catered more towards the buyers for the bigger retail shops. You know, back then, uh, 20 years ago, you know, I guess like uh, Toys R Us, Electronics Boutique, um, KB Toys, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I must, yeah, I'm assuming Target was around 20 years ago and Walmart and all of them. So it wasn't really about the fans or about the gamers. It was more about getting the buyers to buy your product. And whoever, if anybody listening to this, go on YouTube, um, search my name. I think it's it's my full name, Anthony Parisi, or it's Parisi. Seven four, A R I S I. Look at that E three video. Um, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's it's so market marketing oriented. It's not even funny. Every every they had stage shows. They had the booth babes. They had um, they had you know alpha pre alpha versions of games. Um, you know Square Square Soft back then before it was Square Enix. They were showing a version of Secret of Evermore that never really came out. I think by the time it did come out, it had changed significantly. Um, and they didn't really care back then because they didn't really know what was going on. They didn't know what they were doing. Um, but if you watch a lot of these stage shows, the way they talk about the games, they're talking to buyers and they're not talking to gamers because one, no gamers were really there. And two, there was no internet yet. So... Nobody was watching this. Um, but, you know, like everything, it evolves. It, it needs to evolve to stay relevant. And, you know, over the years, it started to, as the internet grew and grew and grew, um, you know, it, it started to shift from let's impress buyers to let's impress the gamers. And so the press conferences got flashier and, the booths got bigger and, you know, the booth babes grew and never ended. And, um, you know, fast forward to now and the show is, you know, just uh, almost like a circus. Um, it, it takes up both halls of the, uh, Los Angeles Convention Center. Um, the booths are immense. Um, there are no more booth babes uh, because of, you know, sign of the times and really relevant anymore. But, um, you know, like we mentioned earlier, um, this is the first year where E3 is going to be open to the public. And while some in, like insiders and industry folk might not like that, crowded enough as it is, something that needs to happen because... Nobody really, in this day and age, nobody really cares about E3 because, you know, game companies are, you know, going off their stuff via YouTube videos. Nintendo does it all the time with their, you know, like the Nintendo Minute or, um, 
Throwing a blank. Treehouse. What? Treehouse. No, no. The when they do their like their thirty forty minute videos. That what's called. I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, I don't remember what that is. Um, but they announced their stuff that way, and you know, Sony now has the PlayStation experience, and you know, Microsoft doesn't have anything. Them, um, but um, you know, they they could show their stuff at PAX. So I think E3, um. I think E3 saw what, you know, what was, what was going on in the industry, and saw how it was shifting, and so they need to do anything to stay relevant. Um, so this year it's open to the public. Um, Jeff Keighley just announced that they're doing that E3 Coliseum, which is going to have, you know, panels and. You know all these other things, which again, it's if you look at it, it's like E three. Um, so I mean, yeah, I, you know, I can, I can keep talking about this, you know, all night, but it, it, it's it's just from from my perspective, it has changed so much in the twenty, or I think it is the twenty two years that it's going on. So yeah, it's it's just crazy. I mean, I be honest i i think it's just going to keep evolving over the next few years and i mean i would be surprised if at one point it just doesn't exist anymore i mean it doesn't you know ea doesn't show on the show floor anymore they have their own ea play um last year um somebody else that didn't show but it was it was just weird because when you walk into that hall you're used to seeing ea right there through the doors and they're not there anymore it you know it's jarring to know that these companies don't need E3 anymore. So, see what happens. I mean, it could be around for another 20 years or it could be around for another two. Whatever. I think, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm, you know. I was just going to just agree with you. I think that evolution is going to really be the only thing that makes it stand a chance. You know, if we don't see it grow... And going towards the fans right now is is the right way, you know, and I know a lot of people don't agree with that in the industry, but there's two ways of looking at that, you know, is, is it about money, is it about, you know, getting these games in front of as many people? I really believe that, you know, fans are what made the industry what it is now. Yeah. And, you know, being those fans, you know, especially for people that haven't been to those shows, I think it's a really exciting time. But, well, you know, it's great gonna, to see both sides of that because, you know, somebody that's been there for so many years, you know. You well, here's – yeah, sorry, Ben. No, here, yeah, here, here's, here's why I'm cautiously optimistic, leaning more towards skeptical about this whole letting the consumer in. Um, ben, you just were at PAX, right, up in Boston. Correct. I mean, how bad were the lines to try a game? Right, they were. It like was. It was. It two, wasn't two as hours. bad as it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, but it was pretty pretty crazy. Came Saturday, but yeah, but okay. So on a Saturday, the lines were had to be over two hours for any of the popular games. I mean, correct. I, I mean, Nintendo was showing Zelda Breath of the Wild, and I mean, I know it was out already, but Mario Kart was the the hit, and they had right. that going. So God knows how long that line would be. Now take that. 
okay, and move it to LA for E3, where you already have not what the number was last year. It was I want to say like forty thousand or something plus over three days going to E3. And now last year when I went, Nintendo's booth was closed, like to the you couldn't even see in the booth because all they showed was Zelda. Um, the booth was amazing, by the way. The way they had set it up, and it, it really, they did an amazing job. But the line to play Zelda, they had two lines. One to actually play it, and one to just watch people play it. And the line to watch people play it was already like two and a half hours long by 11.30 in the morning. You know, the line to actually play it got up to like three, four hours. I think at some point they just cut it off and said no more for today because they didn't have enough time in the day to show everybody. And so now you're going to have to deal with that plus the people who are gamers or just consumers spent two, what was it, 200 bucks, 250 right. get a, to get a weekend pass for E3. So now you're going to have people who work in the industry who are going to try to make it to appointments or try to do interviews or like try to take pictures having to maneuver our way through a sea of consumers and they're going to vice versa. They're going to have, you know, they're going to be running. They're going to want to try this stuff. Honestly, I, I feel bad because I have a feeling that they're going to be let down by the fact that they're going to have to wait in lines longer than anything they've seen at PAX. And so I'm hoping this thing works well for the E3 people. Consumers love it, and next year it gets bigger. But I, I just don't know how that's going to work. Um, well, it's almost like if you think about New York Comic Con and Javits, you know, you have these shows. Granted, you know, E3 is still technically a trade show. Yeah, but when you have shows like this that have grown to where they are, it's time to look at a new venue. I think that that's something I know they did in the well, past, and it wasn't a great. Hey, you listen, know. here's the other thing, Ben. Booths are massive, and it costs them a ton of money to ship this stuff to LA that they're going to use for three days, and then it goes sits in storage somewhere. Agreed. So they, you know, I, I mean, some of you might remember, I, you know, but E3 was in Atlanta for, I think, two years. I think it was 97 and 8, I think, because it was a bigger venue. But nobody wanted to trek across the country and ship all these booths across the country as opposed to just shipping it down the coast. Because most of these companies, Nintendo's in, in, in Washington, they're in Redmond, so is Microsoft. Sony's in Cal, you know, up in, um, in uh, San, San Mateos, uh, south of San Francisco. And so is all the third-party developers and publishers. They're all, you know, up and down the, up and down the uh, West Coast. I mean, there's very few on the East Coast. I mean, you have Rockstar and um, a couple others, but... You know the 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 big three. Well, back then it was the big two. It was Mike. Well, well, actually three. It was Sega back then. But you know you had Sega, Sony, and Nintendo. They didn't want to ship all that stuff across the country. So that's why they kind of always keep signing with the with the L.A. Convention Center because it's convenient, it's close, 
a lot of the Asian uh, community that flies in for E3, it's close for them. You know, so, uh, I agree. I think it makes know. a lot of sense. But, you know, again, that could totally be something that could, uh, you know, be a spoke in the wheel, you know, down to if if this year doesn't go well, that's going to be a real big I trigger point. Think, you know? I think if 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 the consumers embrace it and it seems to work and so and if the publishers and developers embrace it, there are other areas around the Staples Center. Uh, that maybe you can rent out as space show things, you know, like um, you have LA Live right there, which is outdoor. Got like it's shops and restaurants, and and then there's the uh, the Nokia Theater, which Nintendo had their World Championships in a couple of years ago. But you could always rent out something like that, which I think is where the EA Play was last year. I think. I think this year it's moving to the Hollywood Palladium, but there are options to these. There are options available to these publishers. It's just do they want to use them? Do they want to spend the extra money that you know they've already had a budget for what it's going to cost them to show in the convention center? Are they willing to now expand it to outside somewhere else? Let consumers in. That's just you don't know that yet. I think, I think you really hit the nail that, on the. Go ahead. Go ahead. Are you good? Yeah. No, go ahead. Somebody <laughs> just, go. Somebody I go. I think you really hit the nail on the head with uh, talking about the differences between when it was focused on retailers and now moving to this consumer focus uh, and with the lines and whatnot. It's going to come down to how much people are willing to wait and then the inconvenience they're willing to put up with to get out to E3 to maybe play a couple games. Uh, right. When people get out there and realize that it's not just free game time and you just walk around from game to game and play all of the hot new things coming out i think one it's going to keep people from wanting to come back possibly and two it could leave sour impression on a consumer because hey i stood at this developer's booth for four hours yeah. and by the time i got up there i did i wasn't even able to play the game so well here's the other thing too a negative impression yeah, i mean here's the other thing too and you guys i mean you always hear it being talked about but a lot of the games that are like the bigger titles, you know, that are coming out for the holiday, sometimes those aren't even on the show floor. They're just behind closed doors with appointment only. Yeah. So, you know, what happens if a kid who loves Bethesda wants to go try, you know, um, like a fall, like a new Fallout that they may show this year or um, you know, Wake or whatever and they get there and they go to the bethesda booth and it's like hey i want to play quake and the the lady at the check-in booth is like oh i'm sorry that's you know appointment only uh do you have an appointment and they're going to be like no and now they spent 250 dollars to get in plus whatever the travel costs are for hotel and all that other stuff said to find out that they can't play like the one game that they really want to play that's the other thing that crossed my mind when I had heard that they were going to open it to the public. I'm like, but a lot of the bigger titles are always behind closed doors, appointment only type thing, you know? So I'm curious to see how that plays out. Like, are these, are these developers and publishers going to sacrifice the whole, you know, the, the mystery, the mystery behind these games where it's, you know, journalists have to make booth appointments or make appointments, play this thing in private and just put it out on the floor so that a consumer could go play it. Now, 
what if a consumer goes and plays it and it's a it's like an alpha version of the game and it's buggy or you know it 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 crashes i mean now that now that that person has played it they may go on you know gaff or reddit or somewhere and say well i just played you know the the new assassin's creed and it's it's buggy as shit and you know this game's gonna suck and now already they're gonna have negative press before the game can come out you know it could be six months before it comes right now whereas journalists they do a preview and they don't they you know you kind of know when you do a preview you don't i mean you to mention some if, if there's some bugs or whatever but you don't trash anything you just say hey you know i had some hands-on time at e3 to play the new you know whatever game and uh you know it looks great and it, it plays pretty well and you know it should be a pretty good you know title for the holidays but somebody you know who's a consumer who feels like they're entitled to play an almost complete game might go in there play something hate it and go on the gaff and say, "Oh man, I just I was in E three, you know, and I played this game, and it's horrible. It it plays like crap, and the controls stink, and they're floaty, and you know, I was walking and I fell through the I fell through the level, and you know, the game crashed, and then they rebooted it, and then they told me that was the end of my playtime, and I waited three hours, and screw them, I'm not buying it, and now they have negative press to deal with. But I mean, this is all, you know." All speculation because yeah, we, don't, we don't know what's going to happen right you know i mean you don't know i mean but I, i'm just kind of running all these scenarios through my head as somebody who's been going for so long you know you, to... you, you totally raise really really good valid points because you know there's two sides to that coin too because you got to think about the journalists like us that you know work to get to where we are to get these opportunities to be able to write about you know upcoming games what if they do change that route and then the journalist is the one that gets the shaft right yeah. oh, we're not doing we're well, not doing you know, appointments because you know we have the consumers here they're paying customers to kind of to kind of just step back for one second with the whole you just made me think of this benny but the whole evolution of e3 it's kind of gone from i think you guys will agree um it's kind of gone from a marketing tool to lure in buyers from big companies to attracting gamers and now attracting influencers. You know, those YouTube stars that get, you know, a bajillion views talk about your game. And they yeah. cater to them now more so than I think the gaming community because they know that those influencers can influence the gamer you know, and get them maybe to buy the game. So, I mean, that's just I would, enough. Yeah, yeah, I would say outside of even just the E3 trade show side of things, I think that the influencer is the way of PR marketing side of the gaming as what it's become. And that's Yeah, it really has. So it's It's a good thing and it's a bad thing. And the only reason I would say it's a good thing is because there are some really hardworking uh, YouTubers out there that really put the time in, build themselves a brand, and you know oh, they absolutely. do things the right way. But then you got guys that you know and women that just kind of do it, you know, for shits and giggles in the sense of just trying to get some likes and stuff like that, and try to make money out of it. And it gets yeah, but away I don't, from the I don't passion. Think, I don't think I don't think that you know 
publishers are going to cater to those folks. I think they're going to cater to you know, like no, the, I, I like agree. the Pie and you know and and Boogie is I totally the, agree. You know, yeah, like Greg the, Miller's the, the and, completionist. Yeah, I mean, you know, we got all those guys, and but uh, you know, it's just it it uh, like I said, just you know, to kind of just tie up this segment, but it, it's going to be a very interesting E three this year, and I'm interested. I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out because it's already crowded enough as it is with people in the industry. Um, so God knows what it's going to be like now on, and you know, and this is a, you know, this is a Tuesday through Thursday show. It's not even something like that takes place on the weekend. So, um, God knows how crowded it's going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Uh, you know, I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to see. Well, it's what I got to say about that. Um, thank you. We we really appreciate it. It's really good insight, you know, from, again, a side that, you know, our listeners aren't going to usually hear from, you know, right. and that's we're trying to bring out a balance of both sides of the industry, you know, the side, kind of the back end side, but we're like in the middle, you know, we're, we're there in that journalism world, but we're not there 24 seven. But I think that come June, going to be a lot of crazy things going on. And I think that that'll ultimately bring us into our next segment, which would be what we've been talking about, E3, but we're going to talk about predictions. Absolutely. So, Tyler, you want to get uh, get the rolling on this? Yeah, sure. Um, so kind of the way we're laying this out, uh, just a rough rough idea for you. It's going to be like an, a legitimate prediction, a uh, pipe dream that we've got, like something, hey, if I could have one pick, whether I think it's going to happen or not, this is what I want to see. And then if we have some extra time, we'll talk about stuff that we remember being announced at E3. Cool stuff, cool moments, um, whatnot like that. But for me, legitimate prediction, I think Microsoft is going to come out and they're going to show off the next Halo. Uh, it's not been announced yet, but they would be it would be ridiculous for them to come out. And we already know they have the whole Scorpio lineup. I think it would be insane for them to come out with this fancy new Scorpio console and everything else and show it off without having Master Chief there. Because, oh, quite yeah. frankly, they're getting slaughtered right now. Sony's killing them with exclusives. And uh, they just haven't haven't had that strong of a showing in uh, recent years, unfortunately. So, if they don't end that, if they don't end their If they don't end their press conference with a Halo trailer for the Scorpio, that would be such a missed opportunity. Yeah. Especially, uh, that could be. be something... That could be a game that could launch alongside... Scorpio and probably sell a lot of systems. Agreed. Um, no. I'm sure they'll have some type of crazy features for it because they keep making it clear, hey, anything that is going to come out to be played on Scorpio is also going to be able to be played on your Xbox One. But at the end of the day, they're a business entity. They they want to sell Scorpios. So there are going to be features in Halo, whatever the next Halo is they decide to do, be it a next the next numbered one or another offshoot like Reach was. Um, there'll be something there that is going to make you want to play it on the Scorpio beyond just, hey, it's got better graphics. Uh, I think they're going to have something there for the Scorpio people, the early adopters of that uh, interim console. So I think that'll be be something that is definitely there. And like you said, it would be a huge misstep if they don't. Yeah. 
Um, pipe dream. So for anybody that knows me, uh, I am a, a Souls player through and through. Soulsborn, whatever you want to call it. Um, I want to see Bloodborne too, and that's a, it's a semi-realistic pipe dream. But there just hasn't been any any official announcements or anything like that on it yet. But I would love to see a teaser trailer for Bloodborne two at E three this year. That would be amazing, and Parisi would get excited and he wouldn't play it because he'd realize how difficult it is. Yeah, I loved I loved the idea of Bloodborne, and I didn't like the game itself. Yeah, I am uh, I'm currently finishing my platinum right now, and it has been uh it has been a journey. I mean, there was that um code. I know it was. That preview that everyone was like, oh, Bloodborne 2. That Code Vein thing. Yeah. Like, that now looks that's... interesting. It's like the same archetype of game. Yeah, it looks really cool. Me and Benny actually talked about this last week. Um, it's not a game made by From Software, which is yeah. the company that makes Dark Souls and Bloodborne and Demon Souls, but it is being published by Bandai Namco, which is the people that publish those, well, publish right. Dark Souls games, not uh, Bloodborne, because Bloodborne's published by Sony. Um... But the funny thing is, and this is this is my my grandiose idea for Bloodborne 2. Demon Souls was made by From Software, published by Sony, to be a Sony exclusive. Um, but after Demon Souls, Sony retained rights to that property, but From Software moved on and created Dark Souls. They had a one-game deal that Sony owned. They moved on. They made Dark Souls. Dark Souls was on everything. Bloodborne. They did a one-game deal with Sony publishing um so i could very easily see bloodborne 2 be something totally different not called bloodborne 2 but in the same way that dark souls was demon souls same same general idea universe type everything else like that but it is cross-platform on everything to the end of the day i just want to play bloodborne on my computer i'm, <laughs> I'm tired of i'm tired of getting on uh, get on my playstation <laughs> um but yeah that's uh that's my that's my big two what do you got colin um, all right. So prediction, like I'm, I'm a huge zombie game guy. Love my zombie games. Love Dying Light, Resident Evil, all that stuff. I hope, like, because I heard it rumored like a couple months back from a couple different people that Days Gone is gonna have like an August release date. It's not feasible. I don't know why people would think that, but that would be amazing. Hey Colin, I want to. I'm going to ask you because you brought it up. What's up? But do you think that Days Gone is going to look the way it looked last year? We haven't seen a thing about that since E3 last year. I just hope it doesn't get a. I actually think it's just going to not come out. I don't. I don't. No, yeah, I don't you think know. so? I don't know why. I just don't. If it does come out, I don't think it's going to be what they showed last year. There's another uh, Deep Silver game. Watch, watch Dog Syndrome. Sorry. No, no, no. The, the, the other Deep Silver zombie game. I'm drawing a blank on Dead it. Island? Yeah, Dead Island Syndrome, where the trailer looks amazing. And, the yeah. game and then the game is horrible. Yeah, garbage. Yeah. So, yeah. Just a hot mess. I think, yeah. I, think that the neg- I think that the reaction after that Days Gone trailer last year was... was I th- you know, I don't, I'm not you know speaking for Sony or whatever, but I, I just felt like I got a lukewarm reception. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I mean, it kind of looked cool, but yes, maybe people just questioned, like, how do you make a game out of that? Cause it literally just looked like you just, sh- the guy, first of all, looked like the guy had infinite ammo Yeah, and he was just shooting zombies. Just and, like Daisy the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I was just curious, you know, cause you, you know, cause you mentioned the column, but I'm just curious, does like, anybody actually think 
that that game is going to come out and look the way it did last year. Like, do you, I think, I think Sony does show it this year. It's going to be a completely different looking game. Yeah. Or it's going to have some elements from that last year trailer. That might have just been like an engine showcase or something. Yeah. Like a a loose framework. I agree with you. I think it's going to, I still think it's going to come out. I think it's going to be a thing because Colin, you're not the only one that's got, zombie game fever i mean that's it's been going on for a little while but it doesn't seem to be slowing at all yeah um, they they stay real popular across all platforms so i i, I think it's still going to come out but i agree with you that it's going to be unrecognizable if you put it side by side with what we saw last year exactly there'll probably be like 20 zombies on the screen at one time instead of like 150 this yeah. isn't this yeah. isn't no, uh, not, I'm, not even, I'm, I'm not even talking about that. I mean, it may be the same kind of main character guy that like that biker looking dude, but you know, that game just reminded me and I'm sure it reminded a lot of people of just World War Z. Yep. You uh-huh. know, and, I mean and, and the thing with zombie games though is they're they're a dime a dozen. There's so many of them. And and you you know, you kind of need some hook to stand out from the rest of them. And maybe maybe when they got feedback on that trailer last year, they didn't, you know, people didn't kind of take to it. And so they kind of generally a game, you know, like look at Horizon Dawn, you, you know, that game, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. I mean, look at that game when they showed it last year. You, you heard about that. You saw it You every month that you would see something. And, you know, that became Sony's showcase for the PS4 Pro and but with Days Gone, it was like after that trailer ended, it just it like Sony locked it in a box and bit on a shelf somewhere deep in Sony headquarters, and you haven't heard from it since. And that's never a good thing, you know. I mean, technically, technically, you could. I mean, technically, you know, the Spider-Man trailer too from last year, we haven't heard anything from that. But that's like the opposite end of the spectrum. That got such praise and we're going nuts for it that I have a feeling that that's not being shown because they really just want to surprise people with it. Whereas days gone back the opposite. I think maybe it just didn't get the reaction that Sony wanted and they kind of said, all right, we need to kind of rethink this. And uh, I think Sony's waiting on Spider-Man to cash in on that uh, Spider-Man homecoming hype. Yeah, but I don't think, I still don't think, if Spider-Man comes out this year, which I'm, it, I think it might. I, I don't think so, but it would probably be out by the holidays. But I still think it's a, a 2018 title. Oh yeah, I think I that think right. you know, those both of those games were glorified tech demos, and I think that we know from history with Sony, tech demos and Sony don't usually go hand in hand. You know, we can go back to Killzone. Everybody remembers that initial trailer as well. Yeah, they insisted that that was gameplay, and it yeah, clearly, so and it clearly wasn't. With Watch Dogs, yep. Watch Dogs is a perfect example of every year know, they show that I, it looked, it got worse and worse, and looked it, different. It just it progressively went down. Yeah, I, I, I mean, know it wasn't Sony, but what about Aliens? Oh, good lord! Yeah, <laughs> Can we not even talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I lasted ten minutes in that game. Oh. Anyway, Colin, I didn't mean to cut you off. So. Oh, yeah, it's no problem. Another prediction, I think, because Insomniac was talking about it a while back. I think Sony or someone might pick up Sunset Overdrive. That would they, be awesome. I yeah, love that game. They that were was saying, a real good game. We want to move forward, but Microsoft doesn't. So if the IP is just sitting there, 
like Sony would be stupid to not snatch that up. Well, I think if it comes out, which I'm hoping it does, it it, it will it won't be a console exclusive anymore. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, I think um, I think companies are starting to learn that these exclusives don't really benefit them at all. I mean, just look at the Tomb Raider debacle, you know, with it being out on Xbox for a year before it came out on PlayStation. I mean, where it took a lot of of shit from Sony over that. And, um, you know, so I can't can't see publishers. I mean, maybe like a a five-month exclusive, but... Or maybe just kind of relegate those exclusives to DLC now, but I don't think companies, I don't think you're going to see a lot of these console exclusive main games or just because I don't think it benefits anybody in the long run. They should only exist if they're first party titles. Yeah, that, I mean, you and know, that's exactly what it is, and I think that's why Sony will continue to Sony will continue to have them, and I think that's where Microsoft is losing right now. I mean, if you look at at Sony's first party lineup. That's half the reason that their console is selling so great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's a better and it was less expensive at the beginning. They came out stronger out of the gate. But look at, I mean, The Last of Us. You've got the infamous franchise, which Uncharted, nothing new there. Uncharted, Last Guardian, which I mean, some people liked it, some people didn't. I loved it. Boom. Uh, yeah. Horizon, Bloodborne. Yeah, even if you look at like this past March, the releases yeah. they destroyed Microsoft. No competition. Yeah. Is it is Persona? I don't play Persona, but is that a Sony exclusive yeah. game? Yeah. So I mean, you got that game. People eat that up. Uh, right. Near Automata. Also. Yeah, Near Automata. You Nier know, came that. out on PC as well, which was nice. Um, no, but you got. I mean, that was a that was a PS4 PC thing, and then you've got uh, yeah, Neo, Neo as well. I mean, this has been a huge year, a huge, mm-hmm. huge generation for Sony and their yeah. exclusives. And Mike, what's Microsoft done so far? Horizon Zero Dawn. Just throw uh, the They canceled there. Scalebound. Right. Yeah, but you know what? That was probably a good thing because <laughs> that, that was I, probably a good. I thing. saw that last year, and I was like, when they showed that at the press conference, I kind of just looked at my at my friend next to me, and I was like, really? I kind of expect more from Platinum Games. Yeah, Platinum Games has hit or miss. Usually, their original IPs are great, and some of their licensed stuff is just terrible. Mm-hmm. They did a good job with Transformers. They did. Station. They did do a pretty good job with some of the trends. But then the stuff. turtle, the teenage mutant Ninja turtles, <laughs> turtles game. Man. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so like Let me you tell said, you about yeah, that turtles so, game. yeah, Tyler, like you said, it's hit or miss with them. So yeah, I, I don't think Microsoft would kill a project just to kill it, but I'm saying they're they're missing out right now. They're not selling Xboxes the way Sony is selling Playstations, and a big part of that is software. You buy you know, hardware because the software you can get on it, not the other way. It shouldn't be the other way around. You shouldn't yeah. be buying software based off of the hardware choices you make. You know, it's funny. It's like last generation, I was an Xbox 360 guy, and my PS3 was strictly for Sony exclusives. And Blu-rays. And then, and then what? And Blu-rays. Yeah. And then with this generation, Microsoft kind of, left a sour taste in my mouth with that whole they almost went down the DivX road you know with you know, you can't take this game here because it's going to be linked to your system and you're going to have to do this and then even Sony made fun of them with the whole you know here's how we share a game and you just hand it to the guy and I think they've been playing catch up ever since um, there's and been not months, catching up well there's been months where they've had a better you know sell through of their units than Sony but you know by and by you know 
over the course of the life cycle so far for these systems, Sony has been the clear winner. And and it's true because like now I get every any game I want to play is on my PlayStation 4 and my Xbox sits there and I kind of play Microsoft exclusives, which as you've mentioned, there are none. There are very few. They have the Forza series, they have Halo, which I'm not a fan of. Um Gears of War. Yeah, Gears of War, but I see a Gears of War, I kind of was like, you know what, after I finished the three I didn't think the series needed to continue. Yeah, because... the fourth one kind of fell off from the whole formula. And, I mean, yeah. I bought it. I never played it, but, you know... Uh, it's and if you think about thing it, even for some me of those... that pushed me over the edge was my computer. So I built, I built a gaming PC, and now my, any Microsoft exclusive comes out with their Play Anywhere thing. So I can right. just play it on Windows on my computer. So I, I sold my Xbox, and I've been a dedicated Xbox gamer for a decade. I mean, if you look at my account, I've got some 120,000 gamer score. I had close to 300 games on Xbox, and I, yeah. I took it all and sold it all. I sold both con- I sold my Xbox 360, my Xbox One, and close to 300 games. And because... GameStop gave you $32. <laughs> no, I actually made some good money on it. 37 um, with a power-up card. Yes, sir. Get that extra 10%. Um, <laughs> but no, so now I, have, now I have a PlayStation 4, a Switch, and... My computer and that's all i need there's nothing that's making me feel like i need to have an xbox now because i can play everything either on my computer or on my playstation which has the better first party games yeah so i mean i actually let my xbox live membership lapse and i was shocked when i got that email i was like oh man i forgot about that yeah because it's been that long since i turned on my xbox exactly it's like a, yeah, gym that used to be a thing that it was was like, hey, I, I have to have Xbox Live. I, I know for a fact that I've got it. Here's when it's going to renew, blah, blah, blah. Now it's just, yeah, exactly that. You just forget about it. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Uh, we, are, so... we are running short on time, fellas. So we will, we will accelerate just a little bit. I want to get at least uh, something from the rest of you guys here. Uh, mind if I uh, plug my pipe dream real quick? Yeah, go ahead. No. Sorry, Kyle. I Lay keep cutting you off. Yeah, yeah, that's no problem. <laughs> uh, really, really hoping. It's really high up there. Uh, New Vegas 2. It's not going to happen, but that'd be incredible. That would be. I would be all about it. And then you know if they announce it, it'll be out three months later. So Yeah. <laughs> Benny, what do you got? Uh, legitimate prediction. I think that we'll finally get some uh, information on Resident Evil 2 remake, whether Ooh. you know whether it be gameplay, trailer of some sort. You know, I'm thinking obviously 2018, but the acknowledgement alone would be awesome. Which remake, Benny? Because you cut out on what version of Resident, Resident Evil. Evil 2. Resident Evil oh, 2. 2 remake. Okay, Sorry. yeah, I didn't hear the number. Dose, dose. Okay. Um, pipe dream. Beyond Good and Evil 2. I've been <laughs> I've I've been sitting and waiting for a very long time. Which exclusive? I'm thinking it's going to be a Switch exclusive. I think it would be. I'm okay with that. I would be okay as, with that too. As long as I get the game, give me the game. Yep. You know, before I get bored of games or I die. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but my pipe dream is actually times two because it's that. And uh, let me know that Kingdom Hearts three is really going to come out. <laughs> Before my kid is five. Unicorn? Yeah. My daughter's going to be playing Kingdom Hearts 3. You didn't hear the, uh, the leaks recently? Me. What's up? They were saying uh, 
from reliable sources, quote unquote, uh, 2018, whether it's done or not, it'll be released. <laughs> yeah, but a game's really done anymore. I mean, they all they're not. Not it's day one patches, man. Yeah, three months later, day one patch. They're still finishing Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh, did right, you have another that? series I could care less about now? That um, that studio, what was it, Montreal? Montreal, yep. Bell they Park. basically dispersed them out. They're yep. working on other projects, and Mass Effect as a franchise is on hold. Yeah, indefinitely. Yeah. Thank, thank God. Yeah. I don't need that yeah. game in my life. Andromeda <laughs> is just a nightmare. I mean, those eyes. The those multiplayer eyes. Eyes. crazy. Multiplayer is good. Combat's good. Actual gameplay is good, but for a game that is so heavily reliant on story and character interactions, how are you going to mess up character interactions that bad? Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're banging a uh, corpse, essentially. Yeah. Because they're lifeless. Dead fish, man. Dead fish. <laughs> Well, but, Anthony, uh, the man yeah, that's so. been to all the E3s. <laughs> what do you got? What um, do you see? I don't know. My, I, I mean, my legitimate prediction, which is, I, I'm gonna, it's gonna be like a safe bet, I guess. Um, I'm, this guy I'm, knows already. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I'm, I'm, somewhat confident that Nintendo is gonna show a Metroid game. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm. I have no basis to that at all, other than I'm a huge Metroid fan, and uh-huh. with the Switch selling as much as it is and as being as popular as it is, I think they would be crazy not to have something there. Um, I mean, a true Metroid game, not another Metroid Federation Force no. garbage. That was so good, though. No, what it is? What is? Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, whether whether now see whether it be a a, a 3D. Metroid Prime style game, you know, I would even be happy with a 2D style side-scrolling Metroid, you know, like Zero Mission or something like that. I just really would love to have a brand new Metroid experience on the Switch. I mean, look, if they if they came out Nintendo and said, hey, here's a Metroid Prime 1 through 3 totally remastered for the Switch, I'd be happy too, but, you know, I kind of want a new... Metroid experience from them. What about Super Ma- Super Metroid Remastered? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean that would be amazing too. But I, you know, I. But it'll be on the 3DS. Uh, <laughs> well, because then look, I can they give you a game on a console that you really want. Think about. No, that I know. Second. Well, look, they'll they'll probably put it on the new 2DS. Like, well, not that it's a, a system. New it's just 2DS XL. Yeah, well, well, let's not even talk about that either. Um, the, Nintendo, the Nintendo wants more of our money console. Nintendo wants all of your money console. But yeah. hey, <laughs> keep making good stuff. I'll keep giving you money. So I, I, I mean, I don't know if I have a pipe dream. I, I mean, you definitely, you definitely do. What do, what do you think it is? Well, I mean, obviously we got Zelda already, so you'd love to hear somebody like you. you I would. I mean, look, Mac Mario's want... coming out for the holidays, which right. I wouldn't be surprised if Nintendo pushed it past the holidays, depending on what else they have in the pipeline for the holidays. You know, if they have some sh- sort of strong lineup like a Smash remastered, which I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody knows that Smash Brothers is coming for the Switch. Oh yeah. Um, but I, you know, uh, kind of would like to actually see Nintendo port some Wii U games over to the Switch. You know, games that. Like, I bought Wind Waker HD for the Wii U, but I never really played it because at that point I was kind of done with my Wii U because I just didn't feel like playing it anymore. But to be able to take Wind Waker HD, 
with me on the Switch anywhere I go. I would I loved Wind Waker. It's in my top five Zelda games. I would love to see that again. But um, you know, I mean a pipe dream that doesn't have to stay with a Nintendo. I mean Castlevania. Yeah, but see Konami, the only Castlevania Konami we're gonna get from Konami is a you know, Castlevania erotic pachinko. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's not kidding. That um, is, that's the closest, I mean, no. Look, we all know the closest thing we're getting to a Castlevania is Bloodstained. Bloodstained, yeah. Which uh, is from Igarashi. And I saw it last year's E3, and it looked great. And um, I kickstarted it. And I mean, look, uh, I'll be honest. I kickstarted it for $250. I got, like, the yeah. crazy bundle. It comes in like a really cool treasure box, and just because that's how much faith I have in Garashi and and his games and things like that. So, um, uh, I would love. Well, I mean, we already. I was gonna say I'd love to see it come on Switch, but they already announced it's coming on Switch. So, um, I I will probably get it for that system because I could take it wherever I want. And originally it was gonna be on PS4, but now I'm gonna probably go with the Switch version just because I'll be able to play it wherever. I, I don't have I don't know that's really it I don't really kind of have a pipe dream for anything else just love to see some Wii U stuff pop up he, on Switch. He wants E3 to be good. Wants I think we all <laughs> want E3 to be good. I think that is a fantastic closing note right there. Let's all Agreed. hope that E3 is good. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> and I think I'm gonna that have to be walking around this. <laughs> and yeah. I think that um it'll be good maybe a week or two after E3 we uh, the four of us join up again and we. See if any of our predictions came true. I think we All should. I think you should have one, another one, right before E3, because there'll be more leaks. Oh, of yeah. course, but I'll have to, more to follow E3 up coverage. Yeah, but I think we should get the four accurate. of us back. Yeah. yeah. I hope there's well, another uh, another Wii music. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I'd, I'd rather have a Mr. Mosquito H. You know, we all. I mean, we all know that <laughs> Nintendo's going to talk about their online. I think. Curious to see what that hat with the, and the lack and, thereof. Well, lack thereof right now, but you know, yeah, you know, it's coming. No, yeah, I mean, I know it is. I'm just saying, I'm curious if they're gonna, at you know, the Nintendo Direct that they're gonna have. I'm curious if they're gonna, you know, kind of uh, kind of peel back the layers of their online, uh, you know, strategy and kind of say, all right, here's what we're gonna do, or you know, pricing, and this is know that and the other thing but who knows who knows yep. you know right. All right sounds good and i yeah. also don't think red dead redemption 2 is coming out this year okie doke at all cool that's another prediction <laughs> heard it, you heard it here first yeah well hey thank you very much colin anthony both you guys for coming on and doing this show with benny and i no um, problem yep we no can't problem. say it enough we rely on on other folks to help out because nobody wants to sit and listen to me and Benny go back and forth for an hour every week. <laughs> um, so. I don't. I don't want to listen to myself. No. Neither well, do I. I'm always available. So you guys ever want me to back on? Just Benny, let me know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't oh, do anything. I play video games. <laughs> and you're away. We'll, and they're at the retail box. Yeah. Keep getting you guys on here, Benny. You got anything you want to want to add before we close out yeah. tonight? The usual. Just uh, thank you guys for listening. Second second show in the books. We really appreciate everybody's feedback so far. We did get our first official uh, fan mail, uh, kind of just giving us some positive thoughts on the fact that we're doing this and that we're juggling everything with our lives, and you know we're gonna keep doing it. And we really appreciate the support. We hope you guys dig it. 
Um, I potentially booked another guest for the future, probably in the next maybe two months, just because their schedules are a little crazy. Again, we're not going to throw names out yet, but we've got some really good guests lined up you know, for the show as we grow. And be sure to uh, email us, you know, any comments, feedback, thoughts, press for time at game.com. The link will have uh, the website. Mauricio, if you're cool with it, maybe we'll even link your uh, YouTube video to yeah, uh, the fine. E3. We'll get that in the podcast as well so everybody can check that out. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, we really appreciate the time. And that's all I got for you guys. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you guys for letting me on. Um, I had fun. I always love talking about video games. Uh, if you guys want to, you know, if you guys out there listening want to follow me uh, in the Twitter sphere, uh, you can follow me at Parisi, P-A-R-I-S-I, 274. Uh, I tweet out funny things, I think. Mainly people probably just think I'm an idiot, but I think it's funny. They're pretty so anyway, funny. They're pretty anyway. Funny. Come follow me. We'll have fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thank you. Tyler, yeah. you got anything else? Yeah, just the, the standard closeout. You know, check us out. It's gamingage.com. We do reviews, previews, event coverage, pretty much everything you could want in the world of video games. Um, our podcast is now live on iTunes, Google Play, Podomatic, Podcast Republic, and pretty much anywhere else that you can find podcasts and listen to them. Uh, you can check out our Facebook page. It's Gaming Age just on Facebook. Uh, Twitter as well, same handle. Uh, the email, Benny put it out there, it's pressed for time at gamingage.com, and that's pressed for the number four time. So we're we're clever like that. Um, <laughs> please, please, please send us emails, send us feedback. Um, but no, that's that's it for this week. Thank you so much for being here. This has been Pressed for Time, a Gaming Age podcast, and we will see you next week.